And good morning, everybody. Welcome to FSU Coach Live. My name is Tim Baggers, joined with a special guest this morning, Coach Donnie Jones. Donnie, thank you so much for, for joining me and, and your willingness to share your expertise. I wonder if you would just give us a little bit of background about your, your history and how you came to where you are today. Yeah, Tim, well, thank you. Good morning. It's great to be with you. And, uh, you know, I've been very blessed, Tim. I've had an opportunity to be around some incredible coaches. Uh, I played uh, college basketball at a high school I'm from West Virginia originally. I grew up in a small town called Point Pleasant, went on the college uh, scholarship, played at a NAIA school uh, in Pikeville, Kentucky, called Pikeville College, which is the University of Pikeville now. Uh, after college, I was fortunate to stay on as an assistant for a year, and then I had the opportunity to go on and get a, a master's as a graduate assistant at Marshall University. Uh, stayed on there, that staff, after two years uh, with the previous coach, a guy named Dwight Freeman, uh, and then there was a coaching change. Uh, they hired a guy we all know by the name of Billy Donovan, uh, who came into Marshall and uh, kept me. I was there and was fortunate uh, with my experience uh, that I was able to connect with him. And, uh, coached two years at Marshall. We turned around that program. And, uh, we went to the University of Florida. Um, mm -hmm. There in uh, 96, uh, went on. 2001 in that, or played for a national championship, 2006 and seven went back to back national championships. I went back to Marshall University uh, where I started uh, as a head coach, uh, seven straight seasons there. They had a losing season. We turned that around. I was there three, uh, won 24 games in my third year. And then the University of Central Florida, UCF came calling. So I came back to the state and I was uh, head coach there for six years. Uh, after my sixth year there, I uh, was out for a year and I uh, was with the L.A. Clippers as a professional scout for a year. Wanted to get back into college and uh, landed over uh, with a friend of mine, Greg Marshall, at Wichita State for a season. And then uh, the following year, went over to Dayton with Anthony Grant, who was uh, one of my best friends I coached with at the University of Florida with. And then uh, the opportunity came here at Stetson this past season where I become the head coach. You've done a lot of moving uh, all over the country and, and talk a little bit about some of the challenges associated with being a coach in that, you know, your, your job is never secure, even sometimes, even if you're successful. How do you, how do you kind of manage that understanding that, you know, my jobs are, are temporary. They may be a year, they may be six years, they may be 10 years, but at some point I'm probably going to be moving on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, it's a pretty simple philosophy and it's growing as it went on. Obviously, we grow as we coach and experiences we go through, Tim. And I think most importantly is, uh, you know, we control what we can control. Uh, I think mindset day to day is, is how I approach it. Uh, you know, your, your mission's got to be bigger uh, than where you're at uh, is really what you're there to do. I've always seen myself as a builder of somebody who's come in to bring energy and, and to impact uh uh, the people in the uh, culture that I, I arrived to. Uh, so my mission's always been much bigger than actually the school I'm at. It's been to help build a winner, but obviously trans transformation and transform people. Uh, and I think in growing kids and helping them reach their dreams and helping kids graduate, uh, obviously winning it has an incredible value that, that helps you keep your job. And it creates you know a platform for you to be able to impact even more and I think keeping the mission uh, first and foremost is, is the most vital thing, uh, regardless of what the outcome is. Uh, some of those jobs, obviously, I left to, 
what I felt was a better move for me professionally and for my family at the time. And, and then obviously I was like, go at UCF. And so with that, we had to make moves that we felt fit us as we continued our mission uh, into impacting people and not only growing them as, as men, but also helping them, you know, reach their dreams. A lot of people talk about the win-loss columns. You know, coaches are often judged by that. Are you successful? How many did you win? Yet we talked just before this stream started about the differences between a transformational coach and a transactional coach. Can, can you highlight for, for people who may not know those differences, what that is and kind of why, you're, why you are a transformational coach? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I am a transformational coach and they always have been. I think you got to coach to your personality. Uh, you know, the old school way growing up a lot was transactional. Some people still coach that way. So I can't, you know, condemn that. I think what works for you is, is you've got to coach to your personality. But my personality has always valued people and players first. And I think when you're a transformational coach, you do that. And because, uh, you know, no, nobody cares, you know, what you know until they know how much you care. And, and that's spirit uh that's how i've always coached and, and a lot of people can communicate but very few connect and i think it's vital as a coach and being able to change human spirit and performance uh that comes to trust level especially with kids even more today than ever because there's such a void in trust and you have to gain that and it's really hard to do that from a transactional standpoint i think sometimes and because uh, we do that many times when you're a transactional coach by fear and that you wears off and then it's a void uh, in a relationship. I, I, I have a question for you that, that came in online from Margot Scott. She said that how did all of the moving around affect your family? Uh, it's similar to the military moving every few years. Sure. That's a great question. I could talk a long time on that. And, and you know, I'm a very family first guy, you know, that's most important to me. And, and I'm not one of those coaches that, that I would ever leave and take a job without my family. And so, uh, you know, the biggest commitment had to come at the house first. And even though it was hard, I had a daughter at the first move, uh, it was going into her 10th grade year. So wow. it was hard on her. Uh, we moved all the way to middle America from Orlando, Florida to Wichita, Kansas. And uh, that was a, a, a really big move for her. And uh, so, you know, I really had to invest at home. Uh, my relationship with my kids uh, is, is vital. So there was a lot of communicating and, and a lot of uh, sharing. Uh, so we went through it together. Uh, obviously, there was always challenges. And every time we made a move, it was one that we always sit down and discussed as a family. And even though it was hard for the children, that's the people that struggle the most. As adults, you know, we walk into a place and we have instant friends. We have instant connections when we take a job. Our kids are left to walk into new schools, new environments to fit in at very vital times in their lives, depending on where they are as children, uh, to grow. So uh, it was an incredible growth opportunity for our kids. Uh, no matter how much you talk about it, they got to experience it. Uh, now looking back at it, the blessing now is my daughter who made those moves, there's three moves with me, uh, is a freshman here at Stetson. And so I get to see her every day. And, through her growth, she's learned. She's made a lot of friends, a lot of connections. Uh, it's helped her grow as a person. But it's vital for you when you go through those moves. As a coach, we go lock into our world because we have a new job, a new pressure that we sometimes forget about our families. And that can't happen. Your family, it's got to stay there. you got to invest in them every day if it's for one hour. And make sure you're listening and, and very aware 
of the change they're going through. So I think that's vital, but it's always hard. And they look back on it no matter what you tell them during the time, uh, and they realize the growth if you handled it right in the moment. One of the, the reasons why I was really interested in talking to you is because of the, the transformation in your team that, that has happened at Stetson. You came in, the, the team had been struggling before you came in, and you started turning that around. And so I was curious as to how, how do you do that? How do you change a culture of maybe apathy, um, losing lack of motivation into a, a group of people who are really driving forward with the same purpose? No, I'm really looking for what kind of strategies do you use that coaches who are watching or other sports professionals could adopt? You know, it's, and that's, that's, a, that's a great question. You know, and I've done a lot of talks on that here lately. You know, this is a, is a great one to talk about again. Again, is, you know, I think the first time, this is the third time I've walked into a program. And, and usually you take over a program for, for a couple of reasons. One, they've either been incredibly successful and the coach got a new job. Uh, that he moved on to something you know bigger and better that he felt was right for him, or you've taken over a job that the administration or fan base thought maybe it wasn't at the level that their expectations wanted it to be. So we came into one here that's you know unfortunately has had uh, 19 straight losing seasons uh, wow. and not had a culture of winning, and uh, so with that. Uh, you know, we had to come in and, you know, the, the things that I put together, I think there's 10 steps. I'll read them all real quick because I think it's, they're all really good. And, and, I, and I won't get too detailed in every one of them. But, you know, the first one, you just got to evaluate. When you walk into a new place and, and you're there, you got to evaluate people. You got to evaluate the administration. Uh, you got to evaluate the players. Uh, you got to evaluate the whole situation and try to look up under the hood and figure out, you know, why is this not working? the best you can work it off. And then from there, obviously your staff, people you put around you, number two, is so vital. You have a great staff around you, people to fit the circumstances, uh, maybe not the most qualified coach, but the right person who fits the needs of that situation. Uh, and, and the third thing you got to do is build trust uh, in your administration, in your academic people, in your boosters. I mean, every day you're selling your vision and you're building trust. You got to re-recruit the players that, that today or you kept in the program. Um, fourth thing is you got to create standards. You know, what's the roadmap of how we're trying to get there? Uh, what's it look like? Uh, and, you know, we, we put together that. And I'll talk about that here, the pyramid of success, called up four pillars. Uh, and then you got to have accountability. You got to make sure you hold them accountable. Uh, obviously, each and every day uh, you are uh, what you say you're going to be. And if you let things go by, then that becomes another standard. Uh, and you got to develop competence. That means you got to teach them. Uh, you got to show them what winning looks like. You got to talk about expecting to win. You got to create the the vision and, and tell stories and, and and give them the tools to equip them to, to help them become the best they can. The next thing is just promote teamwork. Uh, that's community stuff. Uh, that's through uh, why being a team matters, uh, and, and you got to celebrate it. You got to challenge them, number eight, every day, how, how they compete each and every day in practice, off the floor, holding to a higher standard of expectation uh, than they could ever hold themselves. Uh, number nine, you got to be the example, your staff, who you are, uh, where you've been. Uh, I've been blessed for 30 years of coaching, and we've had a lot of success uh, in a lot of ways. So you got to be the example of what you talk is what you do. And then the last thing is recognition. I think that's one we really fell out as coaches. We, we expect and 
we criticize, but we forget to recognize. And I think that's really celebrate and recognize. And, you know, I always say, uh, shout uh, praise and whisper criticism. Uh, we got to find ways to recognize and catch them doing something great instead of always calling them out. And I think you got to pick that recognition to celebrate them on social media, celebrate them in front of their peers, celebrate them, you know, individually, whatever it may be. But that's kind of been my 10 steps, what I say to build it, that I've experienced in three situations. And just being a part of those championship teams that we went to Florida with, Tim, and a lot of success. And that, that's where I really reflected on our, our blueprint of uh, mm-hmm. having yeah, I really like that. That celebrates success because too often coaches maybe identify the weaknesses, you know, punish the offenses, but don't really highlight the people who are trying to do the right thing and, and putting in the work as an example. So uh, something that maybe a lot of coaches miss out on is, is that area. When you, when you look at recruiting now in, in terms of your, your back in college at the college level, do you recruit specific players that fit within your philosophy or, or work ethic, or are you looking for the best talent on the, on the table? How do you go about trying to find uh, a quality athlete for your program? Yeah, well, I think more importantly, I think uh, obviously talent is important. Uh, so talent does have value, but, but, you know, we talk, you hear the word fit a lot, you hear culture a lot. So what does that mean? Uh, I, I think obviously we're looking for, you know, what the need may be, you know, could it be a guard or could it be a big guy? But, but more importantly, you know, we're looking for people, which we got a, you know, one thing I really learned, Tim, was I was a scout, you know, for a year for the Clippers. I went all around the country and seen the best players in the world. And the biggest thing that we really did, it wasn't hard to evaluate talent. You know, I could take my wife to a basketball game. She could figure out who the best players are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really hard to identify is that, you know, uh, intel, and the character and all the DNA of an individual is so vital. And, you know, we won a couple national championships. When I was at Florida, we were voted the team of the decade in college basketball. And so very similar to Florida State, you know, it was, you know, looked up on early on. And you look at the success Florida State's had in basketball right now. Coach Hamilton, his staff are phenomenal people as well as coaches. And they've had incredible success. And we, we really focused on making sure we got great people people that we felt fit the DNA of, of our program who coming in, what could we change? All right. And where were they at? So we had, we, we called it the DNA. What was the DNA? You know, so we were looking for, for servant people. We were looking for overachievers. We were looking for, for people that had incredible character, people that classroom obviously mattered to them uh, as well academically. And, and we felt that some, uh, kids that we felt coming through the door just could really buy into being a part of something bigger than themselves. So we really try to do a great job, not only recruiting kids for their talent to come here and play, but we really try to evaluate who we get. You know? How do you how do you actually figure out their character? Is it talking to to family members, coaches, friends, watching so, their social media? Yes. Uh, yeah, all of the above. Yeah, so it's important to us. And, and, you know, I think with that, there's a lot. You know, I learned a long time ago, leadership's important. You know, great, and I learned this with the uh, Clippers. You know, great leaders ask great questions. 
And so questions are important. And that's talking to coaches. That's talking to the other coaches in the community that they play in. That's talking to AAU coaches, AAU coaches they play against. Most of the coaches are going to say good things about them. So we really got to get to know the family, get to know their circle, circle of trust, we call it. And, you know, and, and we thought, and, and we talked about, there's four things for us. You know, we call it the four P's is really what we call it. You know, the first thing is the person. Who are you? All right, we really try to focus on who are you as an individual? What's your character? What's your story? You know, what do you do? Second things we talk about, uh, the other piece process. Can you learn? You know, how you process information. Can you learn? Uh, the other thing's pace. We want to play fast. We want to play up tempo. Uh, can you play fast? You know, are you a slow half court player? And the last thing is he is production. It obviously comes down to time. Can you produce in your role? Are you good enough? Those are the things we used to use with the Clippers. Call them the four Ps. Can they fit those four, char- four characteristics of your program? And that's really what it boils down to for us in the group. I have a, another question in the chat box I want to get to um, that, that was kind of tying in. Uh, do you actually do any kind of profile assessments on potential athletes? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, I'm not really a – I love analytics, and I try to use the analytics I feel that really fit uh, uh, needs of our program. Uh, I think a profile assessment, I think can tell you some things. It gives you kind of a list to follow through to make sure you're checking off the boxes and all the little details that have value. Uh, but, but I think, uh, you know, I go through a lot with gut. Uh, I think just my experience and talking to people and, and the spirit of people, you can never communicate enough. I'm a communicator. Uh, I'm a talker. Uh, I'm somebody that's got to feel like I connect with you or I'm not sure I can coach you. So I go by a lot of the, the humanistic factors more so than the analytical check off the box because kids can tell you what you want to hear sometimes. And I got to go with the, the people around. And I, and I really think sometimes just taking a kid without having somebody in his circle that you can connect with who believes in you as well because you're going to need somebody that he trusts uh, to really change behavior. If you think you're just going to take a kid by yourself who doesn't trust you and change it, it's very difficult. Somebody's going to believe in you in that circle of trust that he's already got. And I think that's important for us uh, in the growing scene. Now, you, you talked about the longevity of your career, and you've had some significant highs winning national championships, but you've also had some, some real lows. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you can talk about how you kind of um, progress out of those lows and get back up, because it's, it's easy to kind of – you know, be in a situation where, you, you know, your team loses something you should win, or you have problems with an athlete on your team, you maybe lose your job. How do you, how do you kind of recover from those situations and, and stay focused on kind of some of the, the more positive aspects of coaching? Yeah, that's, that's an incredible question. It's so important that in life and in business and sports. Mm-hmm. Obviously, sports is the beauty of sport. Is it teaches us how to, to be resilient, to handle victories and also handle losses because we deal with that all the time at a very high level that's recognized by fans and people all over the world watching sports in a competition. So it's important from a mindset. That's one of the most important. That's one of the top three things I teach in in my coaching philosophy is uh, we talk mindset all the time. Uh, Being with Billy Donovan there, that was one of the key factors of his success was he had an incredible ability mentally to teach how to handle pressure, how to handle uh, the stage, uh, how to be in the moment, how to handle the defeat, how to bounce back with that bounce back spirit, 
and just continuing each day uh, to be able to, how are you growing yourself mentally, uh, just physically. And I think for us, you know, me having the highs, obviously at uh, Florida, winning national championships, and we had a lot of highs at Stetson this year, the things that we've, we've done. But I think most importantly is, is you got to be able to have a circle and a mentor and people that you can reach out to uh, when you're having those low moments, uh, that you're not alone. And make sure that you got a circle of not toxic people around you because uh, you're in yeah. a something you got to coach and you got to gauge every day in coaching. But it's also when it's not, not going well. You know, who do you pick up the phone and call? Do you have those relationships to talk through and say, hey, you've been through this. You know, help guide me how oh, I should be looking at this and dealing with this. What's next for me? Can you help? help? You can't do it alone. I didn't get here by myself. And the success I've had has been a lot of people loving me along the way. And I think that's so important that you keep that circle uh, around you during tough times. Mentorship is, is something that has been a consistent theme through all of the interviews that I've been doing in this idea that you, you can't do it alone and you need people to rely on to help you. A lot of people come to you for, for your expertise and, and your leadership experiences. And, you know, we, we come to you for our professional development. I'm curious where you go for your continued improvement and your professional development. How do you stay motivated to get better and better every day? Absolutely. Well, I start the day off every day, Tim, uh, in a routine. It's usually about two hours. Uh, I usually start about six to eight is my time uh, to connect, to grow. Uh, it's through the things I'm reading. Uh, I was a uh, part of the John Maxwell team when I was out there. I'm a big John Maxwell leadership guy. I've read probably 25, 30 of his books. I was a part of that. Uh, movement there. I was coaching CEOs. I was part of leadership off, off, uh, off the court here during the year. Uh, I'm always listening to podcasts. Uh, I've got about 10 podcasts I listen to on a continual basis. Uh, I got journals uh, that I keep every day and I feel like I hear just you know, full of just notes. These are my notes constantly you know, where I'm writing stuff uh, to grow from. And, and then I, I have a circle of of about five to seven guys for the most part that, that I call. Uh, Billy Donovan is one of them. Um, there's a guy, Brendan Sir, who happens to be on my staff. He's uh, one of my best friends. Uh, he's been a legendary coach. Uh, I have a, a three-star general named Mark Hartman, who's a great friend that I call on. I have I have a minister friend uh, for faith-based that, 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 I, that I call on. So there's a, there's a circle of influence of people who really feed my my growth uh, as a person that I, that I go to. Uh, but I'm on a lot of these leadership podcasts like this too, where I'm listening and learning. Uh, growth mindset is important uh, for us to continue to find ways and different uh, techniques for us to uh, become better. Uh, it helps us in coaching because we're dealing with the human spirit. That's vital uh, in coaching, teaching people how to become a human. Well, I, I took notes earlier, but there was a question on your P's. Person, process, production. I think the fourth one is pace, correct? Yeah, the four P's. It's person, process, pace, and production. Those are the four P's. So those are four things that we look at in, in recruiting uh, to fit our system and our philosophy. One of the, the things that I've been trying to do as part of these interviews is show that we can, we can have positions across sports beyond just your typical coach, which is what you're doing right now. And one of the, the unique experiences was being a scout for the Clippers. And 
I don't know if I'll ever get somebody on who's been a, a, an MBA scout. So if you wouldn't mind, just share a little bit about what the roles and responsibilities of that position are, because who knows, maybe somebody watching this wants to, to become a scout down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's an incredible experience here, you know, coaching for 30 years, um, you know, and evaluating and recruiting and, and going through our process in college, you know, really helped me. But, but more importantly, you know, have a chance to go and, and see what the best of the best in the world look at and, and how to evaluate. So I think, you know, we evaluated in person, we evaluated by film. So the difference here is we weren't recruiting somebody to really come and play for a professional organization because there's a draft and free agency and different things are involved. But and I think the biggest thing that I really learned was the power of impact and intelligence and being able to ask the right questions and being able to go and, and, and find that circle uh, involved with the with a young man and, and, and understand the connections with those and information about him. And, and you know, we looked at social media, we looked at all the trends in his life uh, from the time he was young to high school to, the, to what we call spokes on the wheel. How many people were involved in, in the connections? Because you know, a lot of times people pay somebody a lot of money and you're going to invest in a young man to come and play for your organization. You right. Know, from a character standpoint, and that how will this young man handle? getting $10 million, you know, how's that going to affect his performance? And as we all know, it's really hard uh, to handle success as much as adversity. But uh, the, the ability for, for me to go around and evaluate and see the best players without having to coach them, all I had to do was focus on evaluating them and where would they fit. And so there was a mentality, just like we do as coaches in my program, is what we want, just like the Clippers. They had a model of what played for them what kind of young man they wanted in their program, what fit the head coach, and what were those characteristics with the team they already had and who they were trying to bring through the door at the moment to fit in that locker So it was vital when they were talking about chemistry, talent, character. And so I probably had a scouting book that was 100 pages long. Those questions and, and, and a lot of, of uh, plan and how we were going to accomplish uh, the person that fit their culture. Um, last question I have, unless others watching want to post one real quick, is what advice do you have for, for those who are looking to either become coaches or uh, maybe improve or move up in, in, the, in their coaching career? Yeah, well, I got a couple things here. I think it's really important. You know, I, I think number one, incredible humility and patience. Obviously, a lot, of, a lot of young coaches get in, they want to go right straight to being an assistant coach. You know, and, you know I got through the door being a graduate assistant for two years, and that, that showed my work uh, in coming in. And, and then I was a, a third assistant at the time, and, and then I worked my way up to be a full-time assistant. But I think you got to be intentional. you got to plan out. Uh, you got to have clarity of what you want to do and what your plan is going to be. Uh, you got to try to connect with people. Uh, be uh, some coaches that you know or some other coaches that you respect that you want to learn from, how you reach out and communicate and network with them is vital. Um, I think you've got to have an incredible work ethic uh, and, and how you do that. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people telling you that because the part of St. Bruce gets started and how you get started and, and it may take some time, but continue to stay in touch with the way you can communicate through social media now and text. And calling's hard. Uh, it's a lot of times hard for who you're trying to break in and be mentors with. It's hard to 
so much communication can happen with that. Um, I think you got to find a mentor. You got to find one or two guys you really respect, you want to learn from, and invest in them. Uh, find ways to celebrate their wins and their successes, and, and just build trust. Uh, everybody likes to be liked. Everybody, right. somebody respects them. So find your way on that. And, and I think uh, you got to figure out what value you can bring to somebody. Just to get you short. Maybe you come in as a video guy. You want to be a coach, but you got to be a video guy because that's what the program is. And a lot of guys come in, they want to coach. I'm a coach. I'm a workout guy. I'm not going video. I'm not going to be the uh, ops guy and do all the secretary work. You got to find a way if you want to get in this business to just serve. Just be a server. We did get one more question in. Uh, it's an interesting one. She, uh, Margaret says, what's your view on paying athletes a stipend during their time on campus? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of fairness to that. Man. I think a lot of chatter about this right now. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I mean, I, I've seen all different types of, obviously, student athlete needs over my 30 years uh, that come in. Um, you know, I know it's the amount of work they put in, the time they put in, the amount of money they generate for the university. Uh, there's so many things involved there. I think the biggest thing is just putting a stipend across the board. Uh, it's fair for everybody. Uh, it's equal for everybody. But there needs to be more uh, money available for, I feel, kids coming through uh, just for day-to-day -day living uh, expenses. Uh, it's very hard. They don't have time to go out and work part-time jobs uh, to do things because the amount of time that's required for them to not focus. So, uh, but a lot of these kids come in without a whole lot. I know the value of an education is incredible. And a lot of regular students come in, you know, have to pay for school. And so they see that. But, but I think what the student athletes are able to do uh, and create, I think, from a financial standpoint for the university, there's got to be some type of stipend there. It's not necessarily what we say paying like professional, but there can also be a stipend that provides the day to day needs for each student. Well, I know that uh, you're very visible on social media. And if you're interested in asking Coach Jones some more questions, that's his Twitter handle. I'm sure he'd be happy to, to take questions there, um, also on LinkedIn as well. But, um, uh, Coach, thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and your willingness to share your expertise. I, I know I really appreciate it, and I, I hope everybody else watching does as well. Okay. Well, the pleasure's mine. I look forward to staying in touch with you, too. Thank you for what you're doing for coaching and leadership. This is valuable to so many young people. And, uh, and uh, you know, feel free to reach out on, on my Twitter there. If anybody would love to ask questions, I'd be happy to share. Thank you. And also a reminder, coming up tomorrow, we have a professional uh, ice hockey player. Rocco Grimaldi will be joining us to talk about his experiences as a professional athlete. And then, of course, coming up through this week, uh, a lot of basketball, actually. Jay Hernandez for the, from the Charlotte Hornets joins us on Wednesday. Cheryl Kirk from USA Racquetball joins us to talk about her role as a national team leader for the sport. And then we round out the, the, the week with Sergio uh, Scariolo from the Raptors, and he's also the Spanish national team head coach. So we'll talk a little bit about how he juggles all those roles as well. Um, but once again, thank you for, for Coach Jones joining me. Uh, thank you for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.